Hey, I am excited to jump into this new series because uh, I really think that the supernatural is like this mystical element in the text of Scripture that either some are afraid of or uh, we just don't quite understand it. So to bring it to a place of understanding, uh, I had fun studying this, and I, I hope that you enjoy diving into it. And in response to James' question about where did the sun go, sun doesn't come out till church is over. So just to let you know that, I tweeted that this morning. But anyway, um, uh, we're, we've got some, some fun to do here in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 for the next three weeks. And so, one of your next steps on the connection card that James just referred to is a simple challenge. Uh, There's something that you get out of coming to church and hearing somebody share, like, a good study from a text, and you're going, yeah, wow, I've never looked at it that way. There's a whole other experience that happens in your life when you've read the text, you've thought something about that text, but never really maybe studied it deeply, and then you hear a message on that same text affirming the thought that the Holy Spirit put in your heart about the text, and you go, I knew it. It's a whole deeper level of conviction you experience at that point in time, so I encourage you to take on that application this week. Read 1 Corinthians 12. 13 and 14, so that you can be having thoughts already before we come at it again next Sunday and the following Sunday, and maybe you'll have some growing convictions about spiritual gifts that you've never really even contemplated before. But let's jump in to the heart of this three-week series, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. It's like, we're done. That's really it. That's the heart of it, right? Uh, To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It says as well uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, the first half of that passage says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So, we should have this desire in us, this eagerness, if you would. we're about as far away from Christmas as you can get. Some of you I know, though, are already counting down. Uh, but I, I look at the season of Christmas, and there's something fun that happens that I think is a great illustration, and obviously gifts and all that stuff happen. But it, you probably have company parties, or I, I know we have like a staff party and some different hangouts, and you do the gift exchange. And the, the classic one uh, that, uh, that I like to do is the give everybody a number one, and you can steal three times, and then it's locked. Has, who has played that game? Raise your hand if you've been carnal and manifested. Yes, so I, I, I'm totally all about that. In fact, it's, it's more fun if uh, you can really mix in a bit of greed and, like, you know, anger that it gets stolen, because then you're just like, yeah, this is hilarious. The same person has had their gift stolen 17 times. You know, so it's like, they're just so mad. Because what happens is you unwrap a gift, right? First person chooses, second person can steal or choose a new gift, and there's big gifts with small packages inside, and there's small packages with big gifts inside. You have the classic individual who will mess the whole thing up, right? You give a $10 gift limit, 
and they'll bring a $10 gift. They literally paid $10 for it, but they got like 75% off. So it was like really a more expensive gift. I didn't do the math, so I'll try not to pretend I know what it is. And so it's like, you know, really it's like a $60 gift or whatever. And, and you're going, everybody wants that one. I mean, French press. You're like, 10 bucks? That's not 10 bucks. There's a nice Starbucks fresh print. French press with some coffee and a mug and a gift card. You're like, how do you do that for $10? So everybody wants to steal that one, and then everybody gets mad. So the only way you can win is what? You've got to partner with somebody else, right? Because now it's like, okay, if I steal and then you steal, and you're like, so you're speaking code across the room, you know? And, uh, and then they're like, you're teaming up, you're ganging, that's not fair. You know, and, and then that's the whole point, because this game is not fair when you're doing the gift exchange. I love it. And you disregard eventually all emotional context, and, you're, and, and, and you just got to hurt someone to get what you want. I mean, that's kind of the game, right? And you're like, Merry Christmas, Jesus was born, you know, and, and, it's, and we turn it back into some illustration, but uh, you... you the only way you're going to dominate the gift exchange game is if you work for the common good of each other. And the only way the, the church is going to win this faith game in the world we live in is if we all have a desire for each other's common good, that we'll be willing to uh, uh, surrender ourselves to first follow Jesus, but then allow God to use us in any way to bring about common good for one another. So we'll win the game of life, right? And so I look at the gifts in, in this simple, simple, simple way uh, that we can bring good to each other. And that's each one of our responsibilities at any given moment, each one of us. And so 1 Corinthians 12.1 says it this way. So this is what we're going to… This, this is what we're really… Uh, allowing ourselves to experience today. It says this, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you, so speaking to each one of you, right? I do not want you to be ignorant. My brothers used to call me an ignoramus. Uh, uh, That may have had some other connotation. But anyway, um, I just look at that. I go, I don't want to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. And so we're going to not ignore them for three weeks. We're going to look at them and learn about them. And uh, spiritual gifts, in one of the commentaries I have, it said this about them. It refers to supernatural expressions of the Holy Spirit that work uniquely through individual believers for the common good of the church. It's there in your handout. Supernatural expressions of the Holy Spirit that work uniquely through individual believers for the common good of the church. The Holy Spirit desires to work uniquely through each one of you, and that for the common good of the church. So, it's not like this special elect get to be a part of this thing. Each one of us get to be a part of this thing. Each one of us is a part of making this thing called the church and the gospel the mission of God to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus happen. And the Holy Spirit's a huge, huge gift and part of it. So 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6 continues. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. 
So God's working all of them in all men. So again, each one of you. It goes on in verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. He gives them to each one just as He determines. It's all about what God determines and desires at any given moment, right? So this is where everything gets weird because I said the word tongues, and it starts making people go, you know, every one of you is staying here today until we surround you in a chair. I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know if you've heard stories about that, if you've seen that happen, or if uh, that's always been your fear is that eventually we would do that, but it's not going to happen today, so sorry. Um, But sometimes we make the supernatural creepy and like man-made, like we have anything to do with it. It's all about God, His desire, His timing, and, 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 and that's what these passages are unpacking. These are the work of one and the same Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit doing this. He gives them each one just as He determines. And so, maybe God wants us to realize we're not in this gig. Like, these gifts have nothing to do with us except for our willingness, our openness. These have everything to do about God and His desire at any given moment to build the need for the common good of the people through His believers. And uh, He provides supernatural affirmation, if you will, to our thoughts or our beliefs through demonstrations of His power. I like uh, 1 Corinthians 2. For when, when Paul is talking about his preaching and he's trying to explain to him, this really has nothing to do with me and everything to do about God. And this is how he worded that in 1 Corinthians 2.4. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I mean, shouldn't that be the whole deal? Is that we don't get in the way. We keep everyone's focus on God. Maybe it would be good to put our faith and our trust in God versus man. I'm being cynical. That's what, exactly what we're supposed to do, right? That's, what, that's the whole point. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 continues, You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you. In the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. So, Paul's putting this emphasis 
to the Corinthian church, this eagerness, if you will. He's pushing out this eagerness for the supernatural manifestation of the Spirit to each one of us. Each one of you should eagerly desire what he refers to as the greater gift. We have a birthday party this afternoon for uh, Jaden. She turned six a couple days ago, so it's the family birthday party. And it's kind of an entertaining experience every time we have a birthday party or a Christmas party, anytime there's gifts involved, because um, it's really Dana's family compete with each other for who will bring the greatest gift. And they get really into it. So, I mean, they'll, they'll go all out. And, and kind of with, with Jaden being six, you know, they, her greatest gift will be the one that we give her. We always make sure of that. But anyway, uh, no, the, the greatest gift will be the one that uh, she gives most of her attention or reaction to at the moment, and the biggest reaction they'll claim as a victory. And so, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll try, they'll go crazy. One year, uh, was it two years ago, it was Selena Gomez concert tickets. That's big time for a child, right? And uh, so, and then she got an even bigger reaction when she had more tickets for the two oldest daughters. So that was a huge win for the whole family. This year, the, it's birthday time. They're all rooting. Who's going to get us concert tickets? They're like, well, will, it, will it be Selena, Taylor, Swift, you know? Uh, wait, I should say some Christian artist. Uh, they want to go see. Oh, never mind. So anyway, they but, you know, it's, they're just so excited. And, and, and I'm like, girls, this is not about you getting, like, the overflow gifts. This is just all about Jaden. But with Preston, like, during Christmas and stuff with him, it's the one he wants to just stop on, right? You know, he's got a bunch of gifts, but if he stops and doesn't want to unwrap anymore, he just wants that one. They claim victory. It's the greatest gift competition. And uh, I think now as the kids get older… Our oldest ones, you have to tell them, slow down and appreciate every gift because they'll just rip through them all to see if there's something better, right? They assume there's greater, greater, greater. So there's, a, and you're like, slow down, read the card. They're like, uh. you know how they read the card, right? They, they open it up. Yeah, I know what I just did there, don't you? A gift card, cash, what is it? Like shake it first before they read it. I think that's so funny. But uh, I'm going to tape in cash just so it doesn't fall out. And then they read it. They have to read it. Or they read it, and in the letter somewhere, there's like a clue to where there's a $20 bill to see if they're really reading it. But I, I look at that, and it's the greatest gift competition. And I think God, not that it's a competition with Him, but God wants all of us as believers to eagerly desire what we see in our mind as a greater gift, that we would pursue the next thing, not for our sake, but for our sake, like all of us. It's not about us being seen or known or in the spotlight. It's about making God more clearly in focus for all of us. And so we look at this and we go, man, how can we illuminate the power and the amazingness of God? Uh, well, if each of us who follow Him would eagerly desire gifts that He wants to pour out, we will build up the church in a way that otherwise we'll miss out on. Are you willing and eager for the Holy Spirit to work through you for the common good 
Or are you afraid of that? And I would pray that our fear, whatever we might be afraid of, would just go away and we would just walk in the truth that's contained in Scripture, that we would just be open to whatever God says He wants to do to build His church, whether it's natural or supernatural. And that's His heart. That's why He pours out His Spirit. So, I have four thoughts. I was hoping to get farther today. I probably could have. I actually have a lot of time left. But uh, they, uh, uh, I want to just keep it simple. I want to keep simple the supernatural just in keeping with our values, right? Uh, the first thought is God determines why. God determines why. These gifts are demonstration of the Spirit's power distributed to each of us or through each one of us according to His will, not our own, right? He desires, it's His desires, it's His motivation, it's His intention, His purpose. This is why we praise and worship Him and not ourselves. I think where we get off track in in church world, and maybe you've experienced and been derailed by an off-track culture of the of the gifts or the supernatural that we're looking at here is when people consider themselves higher than others because God has used them. And, and so maybe they consider because they've prophesied that they're like, I'm something now here in this body. Like God chose to use me, you know. I'm going to prophesy. And they come up and they're just like, Thus saith the Lord, right? And you're just like, wow, awesome, Right? I could tell a funny story because I have time, and my wife probably already knows the story I'm going to tell, and it's totally inappropriate. So, um, there's this church that a friend of mine was worship leader in, and it was an anniversary for the church. I think it was the 75th anniversary or 100. It was a biggie. And uh, so, the, in, in Texas, so it was a huge church. Everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> anyway, so they're leading, and there's this prophetess in the church, and she was going to get her prophetess on, right, in the middle of the service. And right in the worship, like in its transition moment, you know, it was perfect. It was like, let's just, Dave didn't do it today, you know, just pause for a long time instrumentally. That's the cue for the Spirit of God to move, right? So it was one of those moments, and and there's going to be like this word opportunity or whatever where everybody's just waiting for the manifestation on our timing. Anyway, so here we go. This lady stands up and says, Thus saith the Lord! Right? And everybody kind of gets quiet, and they're listening to what the Lord's going to thus saith through her. And uh, she says, I love you like an octopus. And they're waiting for it. She goes, I want to wrap my testicles around you. And the church loses it. The worship leader falls to his knees crying, laughing. But he's still got a microphone in his hand, and it's the transitional nightmare of any pastor on the platform, because now they have to tell everybody what just happened. What happened? What was this? And all he could think of to say, crying, if you know this guy, he's absolutely the most funny guy in the world. He's, he's, just, he's buckled, laughing, cramping, and he just says, I think the Lord meant tentacles, you know? And uh, so we've all had some weird moments in church when the supernatural happens. 
And we can see people thinking it's, it's about them being heard or seen when really we, we need to rest on the fact that it's all about actually God being heard or seen and, uh, and being glorified even more so that we can give Him praise and uh, not think that it's about our gift. That's, it's not about us having a gift. It's about God demonstrating His power. And when we get involved, we can make up some fun phraseology, right? Just want to make sure you get it. You want to say tentacles. I'm just saying. But anyway, uh, that's pretty awesome. It, it, God determines why the, the Spirit of God will, will manifest and become present. Maybe the why in one country is there's a lot of supernatural or divination, like there's a lot of people worshiping occults and, and statues and idols, and maybe there's a lot of demon-possessed. And, and in that arena, God knows the common good of those people would be for the demonstration of the Spirit's power being casting out demons. Maybe in one area there would be a lot of sick people, and so God knows the demonstration of the Spirit's power in that arena would be the power to heal. Maybe in one area the, the, the demonstration would be uh, uh, generosity. Maybe, in, you know, so it's just, it, it, which would be like administration, right? Or just faith to be generous knowing it's not going to sink the ship. And you go, you know, how do we allow God to manifest His why for the common good of our community? And that's, that's just what we have to be willing and open to. God, whatever you want to do. Maybe you're going to turn. Maybe you want, maybe your spirit's been moving this way, and all of a sudden you want to just like wreck people's world and bring their junk out in the open with a word of wisdom or knowledge. That's what nobody comes back next week because I'm talking about that, right? It's like, I don't want my junk out. <laughs> it's like, uh, so it's like, no, don't, don't worry. And don't tweet that either because that would just be really inappropriate. Okay, God determines, number two, God determines what? So just like that, is it going to be healing? God determines, is it going to be prophecy? Is it going to be tongues and interpretation? Is it going to be just faith? What, God determines what gifts manifest. The list in 1 Corinthians 12 is not intended to be exhaustive. Like, it's not supposed to be every way, shape, or form in which God would manifest Himself. Paul is teaching the Corinthians in the ways that were being manifested in their arena and helping them operate in an, an orderly way, as we'll see more in 1 Corinthians 14 later. There are many ways and expressions of gifts that can be for the common good of the church. And these are not to be confused with the uh, fruits of the Spirit, which the junior, or the junior high, the preschool and, uh, and, uh, and elementary are studying right now, the fruits of the Spirit. And that's not what we're talking about. Those are more in alignment with, like, holiness and growth in your relationship with, with God. Uh, it's also not talking about the spiritual gifts in Romans 12 or Ephesians 4 that are more uh, gifts of, like, full-time ministry. This is talking about gifts, supernatural manifestation that is for each one of us. No vocation necessary. These are gifts God chooses to release through you when the need is present. He knows what to do. Number three, 
God determines who. While some gifts operate through the same individuals on a regular basis, even some manifest more than one gift at a time or whatever, uh, others may be used less frequently and yet meet very important and particular needs at the right moment. And the only insight we're given in 1 Corinthians to the choosing, like who God chooses to do these gifts through or to manifest His Spirit through is eagerness and willingness. That's the only thing we're told here is that we should be eager. There's no qualifier except for faith, right? So it's not biblical or wise to assume that because someone exercises maybe a more seemingly visible or remarkable gift that, like, God loves them more. If somebody lays their hand on someone who's sick and they become well, that does not mean God loves them more or they're more anointed than you. It just meant God chose to use you in that moment because you obeyed His Word that says, if someone's sick, pray for them. Or maybe you're praying for somebody and, and you have this thought and you can't get it out of your head and you're like, I, you know, I, I think I'm supposed to tell you this and you give a word to somebody. It's not that you're like, man, he's so close, he hears from God, you know. And I think it's funny when I'm out in community doing different things with the city or Chamber of Commerce and, and they're like, you know, the… Uh, this event is on this day. Hey, Thad, you're the pastor. Could you just pray for good weather that day? I'm like, why is that, right? It's like, yes, I have the weather gift, and uh, I will absolutely calm the storm for you. Do you have a boat that I can stand in? You know, I don't know. It's just, it's really a funny thing, uh, but some people think, you know, only certain people are heard by God. I, I had a mentor in my life that would say, short prayers reach the throne room when you're not too far away. Very true. And I just want uh, you to know that the, if you're in tune with God, if you're reading His Word, if you're praying, if you're eager for His gifts to flow through you, you're available, and He will use you. And there's nothing to be afraid of in that moment. And yet, after that moment, there's like you're not the supernatural version of you. You're still you. It's not something weird or creepy or to be afraid of. It's not like all of a sudden you're possessed by the Holy Spirit, and you might have seen, you know, I've got to pray for the sick. I need to get now loud. I need to slobber. I need to, like, get really loud and boisterous, and I will pray for you. You know, it's not, you know, it's like, it's weird. You know, I just… You could just pray for somebody who's sick. If you did that at your workplace, you may get fired, you know. <laughs> oh, heal the sick. Let's see. I've seen this. Let me try this one, you know, spit in mud. Put it on your eyes. No, I just, you know, Jesus did that once. Where is that listed, <laughs> you know? It's like, it's not, and don't do that to me if I have something stuck in my eye. I wear contacts. That would not be good. So, um, the difference between the supernatural manifestation and, and the the gifts listed in other areas of Scripture is, is that these are literally for each one of us, no matter where we're at in our life, if we're just like willing, which takes a lot of the pressure off. Because I know I've gone on missions trips in the past, and I prayed, God, I just want to see you heal somebody. And I prayed for like 
a lady with something open, uh, like an open wound in her stomach, like huge, in a hut with a dirt floor before. And I like, I fully was hoping that that would just in front of my eyes go and close, because I know God can, but it didn't. And I walked out of that hut bummed. And I just remember going, okay, God, I know you can. Why didn't you? You know, and you kind of ask that. You kind of wonder. And, and then later on, when I was a, in a moment where I laid my hands on a sick person and they did become well, I was like, maybe at that time before, when I was in Honduras in that hut, I would have walked out of that hut and it would have been about me and not about God. In fact, it probably would have been at that time. I probably would have told that story and made it about me. And that would not have been where God wanted the glory to come. He just wants us to be willing and to pass all the praise and glory to Him. Our worship is a different experience if we're focused on the common good versus building ourselves up. If we're focused on just allowing God to be that much more visible. Final, final point is God determines when. God determines when. Luke 5.17 says this, One day as he was teaching, Jesus, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. You know, I remember reading this one time when I was just going through like a, a, a Bible reading plan and cranking through Scripture, and I remember hitting this. The power of the Lord was present for Jesus to heal the sick, as if so it had to be present? Like, Jesus couldn't have healed the sick unless the power of the Lord was there? Because if you've read Philippians, it says that Jesus considered Himself of no reputation, like He considered Himself fully man, but yet fully God. So it's like trying to grasp that is interesting. But he even needed the power of the Lord there to heal the sick. And that's just awe-inspiring to me. He, he needed the presence of the Lord. So God chose that day to heal the sick, and he was available for that to happen through him. It's not that I am Jesus so I can heal the sick. He was a man. He was each one of us. And God chose to be present to heal the sick that day, to bring glory to Himself. So why be leery or, or nervous or fearful? God determines when. God determines who. God determines what. Why be nervous or afraid of the supernatural? Why be creeped out if somebody prophesies or speaks in an unknown tongue or, or lays hands on the sick or… It is a little shocking at first when you see somebody healed or their leg grows longer than it was or they have a foot when they didn't have a foot. Things like that are kind of odd, and they do get your attention. But God chooses to do that. He chooses to do that, and we need to give Him the glory, not ourselves, that we had the ability for Him to flow through. It's not about us. It's all about Him. So we should seek and and desire the ability to speak a word of wisdom or knowledge into somebody's life around us. We should pray for miracles to happen in our, in our world, for people to be healed that are in our world. We should have faith for this. Let's, let's have faith for the impossible. 
I think we do that most at Open Life. I honestly think that's what we exercise the most thus far in our story, is having faith to be ridiculously generous in, in a time when we really are, we shouldn't be able to be as generous as we are. But God provides over and over again when we step out in faith. Trust that He would give us discernment between spirits and allow wisdom to flow through us. Let's speak in tongues and interpret in the way He instructs us. We should be open to that, not creeped out if it happens. I mean, we shouldn't be afraid. God never intended these gifts to be demonstrated by full-time paid Christians. I think that's sometimes what we wait for, you know. When the traveling evangelist comes through, maybe we'll pray for the sick, and they'll become well because they are anointed by God to do it. No, they've just allowed God to flow through them in that way so many times that they in no way, shape, or form have doubt that it can happen. Right? And you and I could do the same. We would believe the same if we have seen multiple people be healed when we pray for them. We'll believe a little stronger that somebody will be healed. It's meant for each one of you, for the church to be built up, these gifts, and uh, helps us be on mission. So, remember show and tell in grade school? Like, that was the best thing, right? And it would have been really boring if it was just tell. In fact, people would always try yeah, I went, and then they would stretch it because it wasn't cool enough, but it was always coolest if somebody was like, show and tell. They bring it, and they're like, this is like the tag I got when I went skiing, and you're like, oh, I've never been skiing, you know, and they're showing their coat and their tag, and then nowadays they have pictures and iPads and presentations on the walls, and you're just like, wow, but show and tell is incredible, and back in my day, and, and you know, I remember when I brought a 22 rifle to school to show and tell with 22 bullets and was dropping them on the plate. I got in really big trouble for that. But anyway, it was a great demonstration of gunpowder's power. It just could have killed people. So I uh, didn't know better in elementary school. But I look, at, I look at this show and tell aspect. That's what God wants to do in the world around us. He doesn't just want us to be voices that are heard. He wants His power to be tangibly present and demonstrated through us. Ephesians 5, 25 through 30 says it this way, and it's funny because it's in the midst of an instruction to husbands and wives, but really it's as well an instruction about God's relationship with the church. It says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to be present or, and to present her to Himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one hate, who hates his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of his body. What this is telling us is Christ paid a crazy price for the supernatural to be present. And it's going to make us a radiant church the more we're willing for His Spirit to flow through us. We'll be a radiant church. In other words, we'll be all the colors. Uh, we'll be a radiant example. We'll shine brightly if we just 
would open ourselves up to Him flowing through us. Radiance comes from a demonstration of the power of God inspired by love. The demonstration is the proof of what we are sharing, not the end goal. So, as you read through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 this week, just recognize in the content of that maybe the corrections for the Corinthian church. They were making it about them. It was like dueling banjo gifts, you know. That person prophesies. Well, I'll prophesy more accurately. No, I'll prophesy better, right? I've been in that moment. It's really awkward publicly. And, uh, you know, and he's trying to address, let's, let's do this in an orderly way. Let's see what God's intention is. It's love. It's a demonstration of his supernatural ability, nothing to do with us. And so I look at what we can get from this, and, and I think we can get off track again if all we desire are gifts to manifest and forget, no, these gifts are empowering us so that we can make his love known. His whole focus is for us to reach the lost, not to be the church that has all the gifts operating. Right? He just wants us to love people more boldly because we understand all that He can do, and He demonstrates His life through it. Before the worship team sings a song, I was having one additional thought. You know, talking about greater gifts made me think about Samsung Galaxy's new slogan that they have, you know, the next best thing is here. Right? I'm doing free marketing for them. I'm all about the iPhone anyway. But anyway, so I look at this and I go, I, I, I was, this marketing campaign is appealing that you and I would get the next best thing as soon as it comes out. Now all the major cell phone companies are coming up with plans that allow you to upgrade in like every six months. Or, or you know, just, you're just going, really? Like, we live in a very, very, very self-focused want it right now culture, don't we? All of us are susceptible to it. I sure am. Anyway, so, uh, and, and we want the next best thing in life. I think we should have that same desire in faith because faith is life. It's not these two separate things. It's like we should continually every day have a desire for God to move through us in a way that he never has before. Maybe all of a sudden someday you're going to pray for the sick and their well. Well, don't stop there. Eagerly desire the greater gift. What is that for you? And so we're going we're gonna to pray, and the Holy Spirit desires to work uniquely through each one of you. We're going to worship. And I want you to be challenged this week. Maybe you're going to read through the passages in 1 Corinthians, or maybe memorize. If you've never memorized a passage, memorize 1 Corinthians 12.7 so that you keep your focus on the gift is not for me, it's for the common good, right? Or maybe you just need to finally, for the first time in your life, pray for spiritual gifts. Maybe this is new to you. We haven't told you about them. We will the next couple of weeks. We'll go through those that are listed here in 1 Corinthians 12. But just be open. And maybe God will do something very cool through you this week that next week when we come back, we celebrate Him with even much, that much more boldness. Will you stand as we, we pray today? And the worship team is going to lead us here. Lord, I thank You for Your Word, and I thank 
Oftentimes we can make this subject something that it was never intended to be. Not a show for the sake of our glory or anointing, but a demonstration of your Spirit's power is what you desire to build your church for the common good. And that each of us need to be open. We're all a part of the body. (laughs) The church is a body. The church is a family. We're all a part of it. And you desire to use each one of us in whatever way would build the common good of our culture, of our world, of our city, of our region. And so, God, may we be open to that. May you stir in us an openness to whatever your Spirit would do through us, that we wouldn't be afraid of you, that we would realize your motivation is love, that we would realize your motivation is to awaken an awareness of your faithfulness and love in the eyes of those that are around us, to deepen our worship in you, to make us that much more grateful for what you can do, to keep our focus on you versus ourselves, and that we would be those that would eagerly desire you to move. Not just put a wish out there for you to move every once in a while, but have an eager desire. Each one of us would have an eager desire for you to move boldly. If some in this room are going, well, man, I haven't even chose to follow Jesus, I pray that today would be the day where they would go, man, there is something beyond me here, and I want to be a part of it. If Jesus died for me to be a part of it, I should probably embrace this thing called the faith. I pray that as they invite you into their life today, that they would be able to start their journey just with some great awareness of your power and what you're doing in and through and around them. God, we thank you for sending Jesus to the cross, not just so that we could put our faith in him, but that could open the way for the Holy Spirit to pour out and flow through us and touch the world around us. Now you depend on each one of us to eagerly desire the gifts, and we do that. In Jesus' name, amen.